Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share Home Threads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to HomeThreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for Dinner and I Just Feed You, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. HomeThreads, love where you live. That's HomeThreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, Build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. Is anyone else struggling with what to wear these days? I've been pretty frustrated with getting dressed over the last few months as I've navigated body changes, and some days I quite literally have no idea what to wear. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high quality designer clothing for every occasion. When I signed up, I took a style quiz, and based on my preferences, they offered suggestions that would best match my life. I've been renting clothes from Armoire for a while now, and the more I rent, the more on point the suggestions get. Plus, you send what you wear back, which is a great way to try new styles without waste. Armoire also has such a fantastic range of options. Whether you're planning an outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or maybe a family event, or just need some updated options for everyday life, you'll be the best-dressed person in the room without ever having to find time for an exhausting shopping day. Right now, Didn't I Just Feed You listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash D-I-J-F-Y. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-I-J-F-Y to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. This is Megan and Stacy, and we're here with our third What We're Cooking and Eating Now bonus episode. Instead of doing these once a season, which is what we were doing before as a regular episode, we're going to share two short episodes every month in addition to our regular weekly episodes. And in these little bonus nugget episodes, we're going to give you real-time rundown of what we're cooking for our families, like right now, this week. In each of these episodes, we'll walk you all the way through one recipe and then list five others. All in, you'll get six easy weeknight dinner ideas that we've tested and our family has taste tested. You can use our ideas as inspiration or you can literally turn them into your meal plan for next week. How awesome is that? We'll be sharing links for all the recipes mentioned in our free community, which you can join by going to didn'tijustfeedyou.com backslash community. All you have to do is enter your email, which we keep private and look out for our post with the what we're cooking and eating now details. All right, let's jump right in with you, Stacey. What have you cooked for your family this week? Okay, so I'm going to talk fast because we like to keep these to a total of 15 minutes. That's me. You have to I, tell me. You're no, always no, like, no, no, Megan, no. slow down. So no, just no, 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 walk no. us through one and then we can do yes. high level ideas okay, about the so others. Okay. It's just really hard not to talk about this first thing that I made. So oh. my eyes have opened to something completely new in the culinary world, which, you know, doesn't happen to you and I very often because like we're in it 
every minute. And like a lot of trends, we see them coming. We hear rumblings like months beforehand. But Isaac mentioned a couple of times that he had gotten a chopped cheese for lunch. I was like, what's a chopped cheese? He was like, oh, it's the sandwich that you get at the bodega. I actually posted on my Instagram about this and I was quickly talking and I said deli instead of bodega. And I was like, oh, I don't feel like re-recording. The deli and bodega are not synonymous in New York City. And I was like, I'm curious to see like how many of my followers are New Yorkers. And a couple of people did definitely call me out. Yeah, they were like deli. (laughs) I was like, listen, you know what I meant. You know what I meant. I was talking fast. I didn't want to re-record. But um you know, for anyone who doesn't know, bodegas are everywhere all across New York City. They're corner stores. Some have cold salad bars. They're not grocery stores, but you can get some pantry stuff and some of the like bigger ones, tons of drinks, like every drink imaginable. And then like bacon, egg and cheese, apparently a chopped cheese. And there are some like staples that you can get from the griddle from nearly any bodega. So I asked about the chopped cheese and he's like, I don't know. It's just like a sandwich and it's cheap and it's delicious. Fine. So I ended up looking it up and it turns out that there's this intense history (laughs) around the chopped cheese sandwich. It's a New York thing. It started, it depends. Some people say the Bronx, some people say Harlem. People think that it has its roots, not just in like New York City culture, but that a lot of bodegas in the Bronx and in Harlem, where it has its, like where it first started, are owned by Yemenis. And there's a Yemeni chopped beef sandwich that they think was the inspiration for it. But like, it's really interesting because you can't find a recipe online very easily. J. Kenji Alt Lopez... He um, has one because it turns out that he grew up in Harlem. So he knew about it and he did his version. But like, that's the only real recipe that I could find. And then there were a couple of articles about how it's like being gentrified. (laughs) But basically like chopped cheese is food for certain neighborhoods. It was cheap. It was satisfying. It was delicious. And then like New York foodies and wealthier people kind of caught wind and now it's becoming like a hipster food. And there's apparently some like fancy restaurant in Manhattan that was selling a chopped cheese for $18 and people are up in arms about it. I think because that, how much does one cost at a bodega? Oh, like, like nothing. Three like, bucks? Not even, not even okay. to something. Okay. So Isaac, I think also it's mentioned in a lot of New York hip hop music. So like Isaac really loves like drill music and there's like Brooklyn drill and New York drill and also Chicago drill and all these other things. Yes. But I think that a lot of these like New York specific artists mention a chopped cheese, which is where I think teenagers are all over, like in all the boroughs are starting to order it because one article was saying how it used to be that you couldn't get a chopped cheese in Brooklyn because no one knew about it because Brooklyn's pretty far from the Bronx and upper Manhattan and Harlem. But now some bodegas are getting hip to it in Brooklyn. So it's kind of hit or miss. You go into some bodegas, And the article mentioned one a block and a half from my house. And they were like, yeah, we got you chopped cheese. And they went to another one like 10 blocks away. And they were like, chopped cheese, what's a chopped cheese? Anyway, all this to say that a chopped cheese is literally (laughs) a hamburger patty chopped up with onions on the griddle and served on a hoagie roll. With cheese. (laughs) With cheese. What kind of cheese? 
American. American. Okay. So, but you're the telling cheapest. us this because, wait, I have two things to say. One, you were like, at the top, you were like, this is something new, but then you mentioned that it's based on this Yemeni, Yemeni? Yeah, sandwich. Sandwich. That's what, it's theorized. No one has spoken okay. to the original guy. He happens to be Yemeni. So people are guessing okay. that's what it's inspired by. But then you said that um, Kenji grew up with it, which he's like got to be in his mid 40s. So like what makes something new yeah. in the culinary oh, world? Oh, in the 80s. It, 80s feels it, news to me. It's not yeah. like it hasn't so been around <laughs> for a long time. Listen, so in the culinary world, if it hasn't been around for a hundred years, a thousand years, like ramen, yeah, it's only 50 totally, years it's the Which, new shit. First of all, also, I'm taking personal offense to this conversation <laughs> because Kenji's my age, Megan. <laughs> this is also me coming to the realization that at 37, I am also old, okay, just like, so you know. I'm calling it the new. Shit. And you will back <laughs> the F up. Yes, brand new, fresh as a baby's bottom. That's us. Well, that listen, is us. Okay. Listen. So, also, like the it's just starting to really spread throughout New York City. It a was new a trend. It was like a yeah. hyper local food. Okay. In the 80s, which I consider recent history. <laughs> anyway, I made one. It was delicious. I didn't have hoagie rolls, which are also a specific thing that we don't have time to get into. Yeah. But anyway, it's a very specific type of roll. I had seeded potato rolls, which was fine. It worked fine. I think the interesting thing that Kenji pointed out when he made his was that even though he was at home and he made the sandwich, he basically took a hamburger patty. We said we would talk it through. Take a hamburger patty. You put it on a griddle or in a, like I used the nonstick pan. Stop. I actually sauteed onions first. Okay. Then I put the hamburger patty on top. Then I chopped it up. He used bouillon powder, which is not traditional, but that was his Kenji flair. And I thought that was kind of interesting. So I did that too. Next time, I don't think I would bother. And then at the very end, when everything's chopped up, you kind of like pull the beef together into a shape of your hoagie roll and then lay a slice or two of American cheese on top put the lid on so it melts and then take a spatula and kind of scoop underneath the whole thing, transfer it to your hoagie roll. And then I use Chick-fil-A sauce because I had some shredded lettuce and tomato, but traditionally I believe it's mayo, uh, shredded lettuce and tomato. Close it up, eat it. That's it. Super simple, delicious. It's basically a chopped up hamburger. But Kenji pointed out that actually if you wrap it in aluminum foil and let it sit for a minute, you get the real, real experience because that's how you get your food from a bodega. If anyone's ever yeah. gotten a chopped cheese or a bacon, egg and cheese, they wrap it in aluminum foil and then you go somewhere to eat it. Even if you're just walking from the bodega to the corner or a park bench or your car or whatever, or the subway, because so yes, I have eaten on the bit. subway. Exactly. It steams the bread and softens the bread. So that's the real, real. If you're trying to recreate the experience, Isaac, Gave it a, a sideways thumbs, which in our house means it's good, but the original's better because he said that my meat tasted like quality meat and that ruined the experience. <laughs> That's a near exact quote. I'm not even mad at that review. I Listen, find it incredibly yeah. endearing. He yes. also felt like, did the burger come already patty shaped? And I was like, no, I made my own patty shape. And he's like, nope. That's it. Yeah. Like wrong. You did it. You did it wrong. So will you go have a chopped cheese at a bodega oh, totally. so that you can then do it again? And totally. also, 
when you make a sandwich like that, do you serve anything else for dinner? Yeah. Like so that, chips or frozen fries? Yeah. So that I had with uh, frozen fries done in the air fryer and just like a big salad. Lately, I've been feeling really exhausted. I know you're really big on bagged salads in general, but I tend to make like a homemade dressing at the beginning of every week. So I've been getting bagged romaine. And also I've been really into like nostalgic for the way my dad used to make Greek salads, which traditional hordiatiki is without lettuce. But then he also did a version which is chopped romaine, like chopped tomato, chopped cucumber, uh, really crumbled feta, and then red wine vinegar, lemon juice, and oil, not measured out, like as a separate dressing, just like poured right, right over the greens and then massaged. So I did that. Yeah. Also, that's like one of those measured with his heart. He measured it all with his heart. He did. He did. And like a lot of salt. So it was like nice and salty. So that's the salad we've been eating a lot lately. Awesome. Okay. What else have you been eating? Two other things we ate. Okay. Bon Appetit. We'll put a link. It's called Mustardy Sausage and Halloumi Stir Fry. I thought this was really, really interesting. Cut up halloumi, fried in the pan, set it aside. Then um, sausage, I used bratwurst, cook it up, brown it, sliced up, brown it, not whole, and then put that aside, and then cabbage and onions, and then pull the whole thing together and pour on a vinaigrette that I can't remember off the cuff, but if you follow the recipe, it was basically like a little soy sauce, a little vinegar, a little oil, and Dijon mustard, and that was it. It was really good. I have to be honest that the halloumi and the bratwurst, and it did call for something like bratwurst. That was the intention. Like, wasn't my favorite for some reason, but it did totally work. It was really tasty. Both of my kids said that they liked it, but that they had wished I just done my normal roast a sausage, make marinated white beans and serve crusty bread. So there you go. But I thought it was worth it. If you like that mustardy cabbage and sausage thing, I think throwing in halloumi is like a nice new fresh take on it. Yeah. All right. So I guess that gets a sideways thumbs for me too. (laughs) And you know, does that mean we're making a rating system for this? Yeah, I don't know. This is my house. We do thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways. Yeah. Uh, The last thing I made recently was kimchi fried rice, which weirdly enough, I've never made. I have kimchi in my fridge almost at all times. And I'm always intending to make kimchi fried rice because it seems like like such an easy, delicious thing. And then we just end up eating kimchi. Yeah. Or you <laughs> make the rice on into it. like the crispy sheet pan rice that we all love. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. I do that. So I actually followed the recipe in the New York Times and it was good, but it didn't call for garlic in the fried rice itself. And I was like, oh, that must make sense because the kimchi will take care of the flavor. And I really wish it was more garlicky. You don't scramble the egg into the fried rice. Instead, you make over easy eggs on the side and serve it on top, which was great. And I really liked it. Like the kids were really excited about it. It wasn't too spicy. So Oliver really liked it too. The one thing I want to add. So one of my favorite Instagram follows is Liz Slam. She's at the subversive table. And she recently just shared something that she puts on a lot of her different bowl meals, which are these stir fried crispy seaweed with salt and sugar. She called them seaweed sprinkles. They're already cut up. You know, I'm you know, I'm into that. Oh, my God. It looks so good. 
They're already cut up. You just sprinkle it on top. It looks so good. It looks like it might have more flavor than just regular roasted seaweed or forakake, which is also made with regular roasted seaweed. So I'm super eager to try those. Yes. So the next time you make kimchi fried rice, that's going um, on that's, top. Yep. You okay. gotta find it, but when, that's what's going on top. When you find it, just go ahead and send me like three. Yes, containers. I will do that. <laughs> um, and with both of those, what I like about both of those sec- sausage, halloumi, stir fry, and the kimchi fried rice, cabbage. Oh, both are cabbage because one's kimchi. Yeah. I used cabbage kimchi. Anyway, I felt like that's the vegetable. One bowl meal. We're done. Yes. I was going to say, I, that's one of those things I like about kimchi or like if you do have quick pickles of any kind, like that's the flavor bomb. And it's also yep. the veg. That's like it. Win-win. Check, check. Check, I'm check. I like it. Check, check. <laughs> All right, Megan, tell us what you have been eating at home. Okay. I'm going to hop off your cabbage train or hop onto your cabbage train sort of because we had impromptu um, dinner guests on a weeknight. And they are, one family is vegan and one family is gluten and dairy free. So I cooked um, like a big sheet pan of roasted Brussels sprouts. I used our trick that we've shared on Instagram. We can link to it in the community where you cut them into like coins instead of cutting them in half. So you get like really crispy. I did Brussels sprouts, a red onion, an apple, and just like toss with olive oil, a little bit of Aleppo pepper, roasted it and then finished it with the maple apple cider vinegar from Acid League. Nice. And then tossed that with the Cascatelli bonza pasta since yeah. my family is gluten free. And that was so good. I was one of those like no recipe, there's nothing to link to. It's just kind of an idea. But one thing that I did that I liked was instead of tossing the pasta back in the pot with the veggies and like some cooking water, I just did it right on the sheet tray to get all the little bits of the roasted vegetables off. And then I felt like then there was less scrubbing to do of the pasta pot too. That's genius. Okay. And then we have to talk about this and it's going to push us over time, but we're going to do it because uh, in our community, we did our live quarterly cocktail hour recently. And I was saying how I bought pineapples to do the recipe for the cocktail hour. And then I had all this pineapple left over and it was like too much for us to eat just as snacks. And was it our listener, Rachel Hannah, who mentioned these skirt steak tacos with pineapple salsa from the book, Food Between Friends, a cookbook that we've talked about on the show before. And we, I bought all the ingredients to make them because I was like, obviously I need to make, like use up the pineapple. And then we ended up hanging out with friends. So I took all the ingredients over to their house and cooked in their kitchen. We didn't have the chipotle peppers that the recipe called for, but I thought it was really good. But you also made it recently and your family didn't love it as much. And so I, I want to talk about that because I like when we give like honest yeah. reviews of things. Yeah. I just thought it was, there was something bitter. Okay. And because you use the marinade to marinate the meat and to toss with the salsa, that's yeah. why it's such a smart recipe because you make one mix in the blender or food processor and then you use it in these two ways and you get like you flavor bomb both your salsa, your topping and your main protein. But I think there was something bitter in that. Yeah. That that made the whole dish bitter. So I didn't exactly measure. I'm really good at estimating, but like maybe I used a tiny bit too much fish sauce. 
and that lent a bitterness, or it could have been that my cilantro was bitter. Like the produce, the produce at the market was not great recently. Okay. So I don't know, like if there's a weird. I sometimes feel that way about cumin, especially when it gets like processed in the food processor or blender, or if it gets like overcooked in the pan, it can have like a very bitter flavor to it. Something. So it could have not been the recipe. It could have been me or something about the nature of the ingredients I was using. But also like, I just want to share that because I feel like the thing about an easy recipe that everybody loves is that it should be easy. Like if you like also burn the good. steak, right? Like if you burn yes. the steak a little bit because you're doing two things at once, like that's why you picked an easy recipe for that night anyway. Yeah, so, then it wasn't an easy recipe. Right. See, and I got to cook it like with our neighbor and she's a great cook and it was very like collaborative in that way and like had someone else to taste test things. So also, uh-huh. it's just a different experience. Yeah, too. totally. Also, I didn't grill it. And mm. that could be part of it, too. But it was in the pineapple salsa as well. So it was yeah. definitely something in that marinade dressing. Interesting. Okay, well, maybe our the rest of our community will also try it. Maybe it'll become like the crispy sheet pan rice. And we'll get some feedback and see if you have to make it again. It is <laughs> really summer. It is yeah. really easy. So I'd be curious if people want to give it a try. Like I'm in the minority so far on this yes. recipe. And it's still, even with the bitterness, it wasn't bad. But I do have to say my kids also have a high tolerance for bitter. If you have a kid who's like, ah, it could be a bomb. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Fair warning. Fair warning. Okay. One last shout out. I have been under the weather recently. And I made a big pot of minestrone soup, which just, I don't have a, because I just riff on it every time I make it. Mm -hmm. I think our soup episode is a really good starter if you're looking for ideas of how to do it. Like I always just start with a little olive oil in the pan and cook some onions, carrots, and celery, and then add homemade chicken broth and tomato paste and then I end up cooking like other veggies in the broth and adding canned tomatoes and at the end pasta and I'm feeling very chuffed with myself because usually I cook the pasta like in a a whole separate pot and it's like a whole thing and this time I remember to use my any day cookware to microwave cook just like a cup of um, penne pasta Mm. to throw in at the end and I and then I also had the any day container to put leftovers in. And I was feeling really smart. Yay! Even though because I was sick, I and couldn't smell very well. I'd also made like s'mores treats with um, honey grams, chocolate chips and marshmallows, mm-hmm. like at, like a Rice Krispie treat. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be so clever and broil them for a minute. So they'll be like a toasty s'more. And I burned the <laughs> out of that. <laughs> Cause I was like trying to multitask and also couldn't smell just one corner. <laughs> I'll share, share the embarrassing picture. It's fine. But it made me like end up telling my kids about what sick days were like for me when I was a kid. And my mom always left us like, cause you know, she was a single mom. So a lot of times if we were sick, we stayed at home sick by ourselves. And she always had um, like progresso canned minestrone. Yeah for us when we were canned soup in general, when we were sick. And so that's like minestrone when I'm sick is a nostalgia thing for me. Uh, Do you put beans in your minestrone? I do. If I have them, I did, we rebranded them as garbanzo beans. (laughs) 
for Oliver, right? Yes, we did. <laughs> I did garbanzo beans this time. Sometimes I do white beans. Honestly, kind of like I've done black eyed peas in the past. I Ooh. honestly kind of use whatever's. I think of it as being hand. a red kidney bean kind of recipe. Is I think that... that's not inaccurate. Okay. I also today when I was Googling how to pronounce minestrone, <laughs> learned that sometimes it's made with rice instead of pasta. Oh, yeah. And do you ever cook the pasta in the soup itself? Sometimes I do, but I always find that it like soaks up so much liquid and then it's not as much broth as I want mm, it to be. Got it. I don't know. Do you, do you find that? I don't cook soup that much, as you know, as I, people can hear on the soup episode, but yes, I would, I would add it to the soup at the end just to save also not to be too precious but i think the size of the pasta matters too like if you're yeah, using sure. something small then i think throw it That's right into what i the do pot. i usually do i like those little tiny tubes yes they're like tiny that tiny. to telly yes. is that what they're called something like that yes those are my favorite for minestrone I didn't have those, so I had, but I had mini penne, so I, that mini penne are well. so cute. So anyway, cute. I, I like, I really, they bring me joy. It's weird. <laughs> I feel really like strongly about mini penne. Mini things of all kinds bring me joy, but then if it's a mini <laughs> food things, like check, 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 which is what we said in this recipe for, episode. New meme, check, check. Check, All right, check. we went over, so I'm going to close this out. This is a new bi-monthly series that is possible thanks in part to the generous support of our Didn't I Just Feed You supporting membership. So a huge shout out and thank you to them. You can find out more about becoming a supporting member at didn'tijustfeedyou.com backslash community. And hey, if it's not the right time for you to support us financially, don't forget that you can get all the links to this week's What We're Cooking Eating Now just by joining the free section of our community. A huge thank you also to our editor, Samantha Gatsik. Thanks for listening. Stay sane and well-fed until next time.